0: Kind of a related thing. And it's still talking about this whole free will business, because we want to run with this a little more. So we've got two individuals, OK? We've got person A, and we've got person B. Scripturally, and these are both non-Christians, all right? They have not yet heard of Christ, and so they're unhappy. Okay, So you've got person A, and you've got person B. What do we know about them? created in God's image, what else do we know? Sin. What's that? Sin. They sin. They're lost, lost. Right? Spiritually, what is their condition? Dead. Yeah. They are spiritually, scripture says, blind, deaf, ultimately, spiritually dead. Right? And is there any difference between person A and person B? No, none. Romans is very clear. Paul says there is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. No difference. So person A and person B are dead. And it's important to realize dead is dead. You don't have degrees of dead. Okay? A skeleton might look more dead than someone who's just been, you know, pronounced dead. But dead is dead. Neither one is going to revive. Alright. So person A and person B are both dead. God has an attitude or a desire for both of them and what is God's desire to be alive. Yeah he wants all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth So how does God bring about this salvation work what does God do how does God make this happen He works through his means we'll talk about that coming up and so he works through his word the word is proclaimed And let's say, for example, Joe Evangelist comes into the dorm room where A and B are living, and Joe Evangelist shares the gospel with person A and person B, who are both spiritually dead without Christ. At the end of the presentation, person A says, whoa, that is a very cool thing. Good news. I like the sound of that. Christ is my Savior. What a difference it makes. And person B says, "Ah, that's a bunch of junk. Forget it. I'm going to live the way I want to live. Don't mess with me. And so he Stays in his sin. That night, explosion, and both of them die. So, what happens? Where do they spend eternity? Person A? Yeah. He's going to participate in the eschatological reality to be fulfilled at the end of all things. We'll talk about that more coming up. Okay? Yeah, I don't believe in heaven anymore. I believe in the eschatological reality at the end of all things. That's another issue. All right. And so person A goes to heaven, whatever we mean by that. He's with God. He has peace, joy, all the good stuff. Person B, what's his future? Suffering. Yeah, hell. And that I do believe in still. No problem there. So person B, (laughs) hell. All right. Everything's cool, right? Well, so why did A become a Christian and not B? And what we are faced with here is the question, cur Ali pre ali'is. Okay? I think there's two I's in there. Okay? Cur ali'i, pre ali'is, which is Latin for, why some while not others? Another way of saying it. Why some and not others? All right. So there are a couple ways to answer this. Again, we're left with only a few options here. Why did person A become a Christian while person B rejected? Why? Why? What makes the difference? Why did this happen? Well, there's a couple ways to skin this. As was pointed out, Calvin would have said, well, it's real easy. Answer simple. A and B, equally damned equally dead in their sin, equally lost, no doubt about it. God is the only one who can bring about salvation because, in fact, if person A comes to faith, who's going to accomplish it? Calvin knows it's got to be 100% God's work. Only God can accomplish salvation. So, God simply chose A, predestined him. A, you're in. And so when the evangelist spoke, A had no choice. God gave him faith. A responded because God had chosen him and gave him the Holy Spirit so that he accepted it and believed it. B, on the other hand, well, he was on the short end of the stick. And God simply predestined him for hell, made the choice, and that was it. So God makes the choice. God decides. Good explanation?
1: That's an answer.
0: settles the problem, right?
1: It's contrary to the first thing you said Which about one? God wanting all to be saved. How oh, there's that
0: verse, isn't there? God wants all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God's will is for all to be saved. It's in 1 Timothy. Okay. So God wills all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. There it is in the Bible. Well, so what's Calvin do? Calvin says, God doesn't got his fingers crossed. That's the will he tells you about. But he has a hidden will he hasn't told you about. That's the real one that matters. And that's what you need to pay attention to is the hidden will of God. That's what Calvin says. That's what he does. And the problem is Calvin's answer is nice and neat and clean. Gives all the glory to God. We're simply the people who are recipients and we're passive. That's very good. That's a good thing. But the problem is, Calvin also answers the question about why not be, and he ends up denying scripture to do it. So Calvin's not a real popular answer. Besides, the big problem with Calvinism and his answer is, what does it do to human free will? What do you mean, human free will? Dead people don't have a will. There is no such thing as free will. So in Calvin's system, free will, gone, out, kaput. You are simply the passive recipient of God's working, and it's all his business. And we'll see what he does. We're just the pawns, and God's got to work it out. Okay? Can't
1: Unchoose me if I don't go to church and don't read the Bible. No,
0: you can't. Not if you're not really a Calvinist. But you might think you're in when you're really not
1: good Calvinist falls down the stairs and says, God, I'm glad that's over
0: with. <laughs> 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 All right. So what's the next option? If God doesn't make the choice, then what's the other option? Yeah. And who came up with that answer? guy named Jacob Arminius. And so he said... It's a violation of scripture to say that God chooses to send person B to hell because God wants him to be saved. And so what we really have going on here is person A and person B have a choice to make, free will. And person A chose well, and person B did not. The difference is in the people. Maybe person A is just a little more spiritually tuned in. Maybe he had a better background. Maybe he's just not quite so proud or arrogant, but there's a difference—subtle, but there's a difference—and that explains why person A came in and person B did not. Because you see, Arminius would say, when God brings His gospel, He's trying equally hard on both of them. He really wants them both in. Calvin would say, no, not at all. When God is declaring His gospel, He's really declaring it to person A and opening up person A's ears. He has no intention. Of turning B. So he allows the barrier to simply stay put. And he's not really trying on B. Kind of, but not really. Because if he really tries, you can't thwart God's will, because God's God. And what God wants, God gets. And if God wants him saved, he's saved. Period. This is Calvin's kind of logic. God's really God, which is a strength of Calvin's system. Problem with Calvin is he's got B going to hell because God sends him to hell, which. Which we can live with that, I suppose, but it violates Scripture. That's the problem. So Arminius comes up with his nice answer. The reality is God really wants all to be saved. When the gospel comes. God's really doing His gospel thing, and He's really giving it full blast on both A and B, giving it all He's got. A it comes to faith, great. B didn't, man, eh, not so great. But it's a choice you made. You made the choice, and you pay the, you pay for it. So. The strength of this one is it answers the problem for us. Why some and not others? Easy. People are different. Some decide well, some don't. God gives you free will. He gives you the choice. So what's the problem with this? Is there one? Is it pretty good? What's that? No grace. Why not? All kinds of grace. God's given him grace to A. He doesn't deserve it. He gets it anyway don't need Christ yes I do because without Christ I can't be forgiven for my sins and I need forgiveness person A is a sinner terrible sinner and he's got to have grace God mercifully has given him everything and God is just standing there and saying, here it is A it's all yours I'm giving it all to you all you gotta do is reach out and take it that's all I'm doing it all And without me you're lost so person A knows he needs Christ he's depending on Christ yes, this is saying that A has to make that choice to accept <coughs> Doesn't he? No. Choose the whom you will serve. Open the door. I stand at the door, and knock. To whom? Open. Whoever opens to me, I come into him. Making a choice.
1: Person A's works on a level with what Christ did.
0: Ah, oh, there's that's the. To, to choose is so small and so insignificant. It doesn't really matter but at all. But it's
1: still, what Christ did is what saves, not what it, not anything any of us does. Well, yeah, of course. Okay, so
0: he if he say, did everything. All I have to do is simply believe it. So,
1: uh, if, if I have to do something to make it happen, then that something is, is, and if I don't do it, it doesn't happen, yeah. then, then that something is um, necessary for, for Christ's salvation to well, have. sure value and I disagree I think Christ's what Christ did has value no matter what I do well, of course it has value I'm
0: just stupid enough B is just so stupid he doesn't realize it and he rejects it a sharp enough to see a good thing when he know a good thing when he sees it he takes it that's, that's what grace is all about God does it all I just take it
1: grace goes one grace step goes further down. than that.
0: grace goes still one step further
1: okay Well, let's save person C for later. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so what we're saying is, is that, you know, the word of God came to both. Yeah. And God's grace was really available to both. Uh-huh. But really what's happening here is B is rejecting that grace. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And person A is accepting it. Because that's what free will, free will means. You get, the, you get to make the call. You get the choice. And God gives free will. He trusts us with that free will. See, Calvin Calvin had no room for free will. What do you mean humans have ability to control God? Come on. God's God. God gets what he wants. He wants A in, he's in. And if he wants B in, he's in too. The fact that B is not in is simply because God has rejected him, period. It's the only explanation. Arminius says, I don't like a God like that. That God seems rather harsh and nasty. Who wants to worship a God like that? Give me a God who's nice all the time, and I will explain the difference why some and not others, and the fact that people are different. Some receive it, some reject it. It's their fault. Done. What other options are we? Do we have? The, the
1: Spirit brings
0: The fault lies either with God or with people. Are there any other options here? Where's the work of the Holy Spirit and all? Oh, these. the Holy Spirit. That's easy. The Holy Spirit is the one who's making the word happen. The Holy Spirit is the one opening A's ears up. The Holy Spirit is doing the whole thing. And the Holy Spirit is pounding on B, trying to get him to open up. But B's just recalcitrant. He's just a nasty guy. And he won't, he will have none of it. That's the difference. eh? A yields, he opens that door. There's the pounding. Jesus is doing the pounding. The Holy Spirit's knocking like crazy. Open the door. A, everything's cool. But see, he opened the door. See? allows us to open
1: the door, not our own ability. OK, yet. so
0: I'm a Calvinist, and so the Holy Spirit is the one who is doing that work and making me have faith. Fine. And so what I, God does is he just keeps the Holy Spirit from doing this full job on B, because that's not part of the plan. No, I have the Holy Spirit's got his, place to, his role to play. Fits right in. Now, the problem with Calvin, of course, is you've got this thing that says God wants all to be saved. And Calvin's got to play a little game and say, God doesn't mean that. So what's the problem with Arminius? Is there one, or is it pretty good? Well, I just get hung up on the fact that A has to do something. (coughs) Well, I'm glad you you. do. (laughs) Well, you should. See, is Arminius a pretty popular idea, though? Uh, Hugely popular. You go to most theological campuses, most seminaries in America today, and you've got two factions running around the evangelical ones. you got the Arminian camp and the Calvinist camp. And the Arminian camp is the big one, and the Calvinists are a rare, small little group. They're a persecuted bunch these days. There aren't many real Calvinists around. It's just not real popular in America to say that it's all God's choice and you don't have a free will. That doesn't go, that doesn't sell real well. Not really very evangelically popular. So, you have these two big debates, and people tell you, you got a choice, either a Calvinist or an Arminian. you got to make the call. And so, most people end up saying, well, Calvin is just rather offensive, and God says he wants all to be saved. I don't like Calvin's answer, so I guess I'll have to go with Arminius' answer because God's doing his grace thing, and you're just making the choice, and Billy Graham does Arminian, so it must be right. But what's the problem? What's the big deal if you choose? So God does it all. It's all grace. It's all Christ, and I'm trusting in him alone, and that's what it's all about. So what's the big deal if I have to open the door? What's the problem? So what? What's that? Said we lose grace when we work. We lose grace when we work. We the fact of the matter is, I wrote up here that God does 100%. If I'm an Arminian, is God doing 100%? No. Something you have to do. There is a part I'm doing. Now God might be doing 99.9999, but I'm still doing my .00001. And that one little fraction of my work is enough to ruin everything. One drop of my work. Makes it not grace anymore, and here's how it happens. Here's how it could happen. Here's the great fear that Luther had. So suppose I'm a good Arminian, and I believe I make my choice, and so I choose. Sorry, I'm off camera now. I'm here, okay. And so they told me yesterday when I sit over here, I just kind of disappear. That's fine. So, so God makes God makes his offer, and person A receives it. And he lives a Christian life and rejoices in God's forgiveness and the benevolence of Christ and all that Christ has done. It's just great. It's all God. And Armenians will talk this way. They talk grace of God up and down like crazy. Now, person A is on his deathbed. He's getting ready to cash in all the chips. And he's thinking back on his life and thinking about how good God's been to him. And Satan comes along, as he likes to do on these occasions. And he says, call yourself a Christian, huh? That's right. I've walked with Christ all my life. Person A and Satan says, I've "Done a bad job of it." Person A says, "Well, yeah, that's true. I haven't done a very good job. I've blown it." But God still loves me. How do you know? Well, because I accepted Him into my heart. Well, oh, did you know? When did that happen? Oh, it happened when I was 15. We were at the campfire and we were all sitting around there, and it was a really emotional night. And man, it was a special night. And I, Asked Jesus into my heart, and everything changed at that point. And Satan says, yeah, I remember. I was there. And he goes, oh, really? Oh, well, yeah, I was there too. I remember. And you were really hung up on that one gal who was that good Baptist girl and really wanted to make her happy. And you asked Jesus into your heart just to make her happy. You didn't mean it. In fact, the singing, the guitar, kumbaya, it just did. It was all emotional. It just took you apart. It was nothing more than a bunch of emotions. You didn't mean it. You Did it for the wrong reasons. And you didn't really act Jesus into your heart at all. You've just been playing a game the whole, your whole life, and you know it because you haven't lived the way you're supposed to live. It's a farce. You're no Christian. You don't love Jesus. What's the person supposed to say? Maybe I didn't do it right. I don't know. Maybe I didn't mean it. Maybe I'm not in it at all. And see, this is the fear that Luther had. And then they had a name for this. They called deathbed crisis like that, they called it despair. And pay attention. In some of the prayers we have in church, we say, Lord, save us from despair. We're not talking about, oh, woe is me, life is bad. No, despair is losing your faith on your deathbed. That's the fear. And that was the concern that Luther had. And Luther was wise enough to realize, if you're an Arminian, you have no protection from this. Because if you have to do the smallest fraction to secure your salvation, it's in doubt. Because as soon as any human factor plays in, you can never be sure of it. How can I know? How can I be sure? And so, see, Luther had it nailed. So Satan comes calling on the Lutheran on his deathbed, and what does the Lutheran say? How do you know that you're gods, you Lutheran? And what does he say? God claimed me. When did he do that? Oh, what happened to that baptismal font. I don't even remember it. I was too little.
1: <laughs> so how do you know it happened?
0: Oh, my parents told me I've got the baptismal certificate. God claimed me. And I know my whole life I've been his. I failed him often, but he claimed me. And when God claims me, he does it right. It doesn't depend on me. So why do I know I have salvation? God says so. No doubt about it see, it's not based on my choice, my feelings, my experience, my good believing. It's based purely on what God has accomplished and me simply hanging on to what God has given. God does it all, all.
1: So then, because our works are contaminated and imperfect, we, we can't rely on them in any degree, right. and, and God's works are perfect and pure, That's right. so that's the only place our faith can lie where it can't be challenged. Always,
0: always. And so even the good works that you do as a Christian are really simply God's works in you. That's what makes them good. And you are always totally dependent upon God for any good thing. Salvation is always 100% God's work. God does it all. He brings you to faith, and he keeps you in the faith, and he sustains you, and he brings you to eternal life. He does it all. You do nothing. And so the old children's message, which I have heard so many times I can't even count. Kids, all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is have faith. It's dead wrong. We're confusing people. Dead wrong. You don't even have to believe. Because even your belief, even your ability to have faith, even that is the gift of God. Even that is worked by him. So Calvin's right when it comes to God does the whole thing. Exactly right. I'm dead. Dead people don't decide to wake up. How stupid is Arminianism when you think about it? If I had a corpse stretched out up here, and I came in and started yelling at the corpse, OK, wake up. Be alive. Make, decide to be alive. You'd all think I was nuts. The corpse does not decide to be alive. Doesn't have that option. He's dead. You know, you can preach to him all you want. He's not going to decide to wake up. But then if he does sit up, what's the immediate conclusion you all reach? Whoa, well, miracle. Exactly. Every time someone comes to faith, it is a miracle. God has worked against the grain. He's worked against sinful human flesh, and He has brought faith. Every time someone comes to faith, a miracle occurs. Because God intervenes, and he does it. Okay? So, okay, go ahead. Person B, while we're back to the cross of glory. has been chosen by God.
1: God wants all to be saved.
0: Yes, he does. And when God brings his gospel message to both A and B, and Joe evangelist is sharing the gospel with them, is he trying equally hard on both of them? Yes. And is the Holy Spirit actively working in both A and B? Yes. The fact that A comes to faith, we say, God has done it. The whole thing. Made a dead person alive. The fact that B remains lost in his sin, we have no explanation. They rejected, maybe? They, they, they rejected, and they are responsible. Okay. They're 100% culpable. Mea culpa, my sin, my fault, my grievous fault. He is 100% at fault for this. And why does he go to hell? It's very clear in Scripture. It's not just unbelief. It's his sin. He's paying for his sin. And so his sin including his rejection of Christ, that's what sends him to hell, and he pays for it, his fault. So Calvin is wrong. Arminius is wrong. The right answer, well, Luther came up with it, and what he said was salvation is 100% God's work and rejection is 100% man's fault, period. And any attempt to try to solve this will put you in error. And this has become known as the crux teologorum, which means the cross of theologians. The the cross of theologians is trying to solve this question, why some and not others? That's the burden of a theologian, the cross of theology. And I think it's also called the crux teologorum, I believe, just because it's such a critical point of deciding where you're going to come out on things. And most Christians think you've only got two options. Either you're a Calvinist or you're an Arminian. And we Lutherans say, no, there's the third option. The third option says salvation is all God's and damnation is all man's and neither of the two shall meet. I'm not going to solve the answer. Calvin came up to the problem. He said, that doesn't make sense. And God always makes sense. It's got to have a rational explanation. So Calvin was willing to say, God's word takes me this far. But I'm going to resolve this tension, and I'm going to take just a teeny little step further than what God actually says and speculate that God really doesn't choose B, but sends him to hell, because that settles everything and solves everything. So Calvin is willing to go a little step further than what has actually been said for the sake of solving the problem. Arminius does the same thing. I don't like this kind of answer, and so I will speculate that, in fact, even though Scripture says A and B are equally dead, they're not really the same difference. And he's appealing to human experience and that's where he comes down. Both of them, we would say, are wrong. And so logically, the Lutheran answer is not satisfying. And if you try to resolve it logically, you will always end in error. Always. There is no way to resolve it in this life. We let God be God and we take responsibility for our our end of it. So for Luther, you have 100% God's grace and 100% man's responsibility. And in fact, the responsibility that man has extends to his whole life. I'm still responsible for living a life of good works. I'm even responsible for choosing well, because God holds me accountable for my bad choice. But really, it's not my choice to make. So you see, how can it be both things? Well, it is. It's all God's grace, but it's all man's responsibility. That's how God operates it. And you cannot resolve the two of them. So
1: we're not, we're not even
0: saying that B's rejection is an active rejection. We just can't explain it. No, it is an active rejection. He is an enemy against God. He is God's, he's that way by birth. Why, why doesn't God's grace work on him? Why doesn't God you know, bring him to faith? Don't know. That I don't know. And why does B continue to resist while A doesn't? Don't know. No answer
1: still active in our sin and we still we still reject God
0: too but we oh absolutely but we also know God's grace and we cling to him in forgiveness and we see His forgiveness that's the only difference between A and B the, the real difference here between A and B is the thing called faith because faith clings to Christ and looks to him that's the only difference
1: Well, how the Calvinists resolve baptism then what if Person B was baptized. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, did they just say God still hasn't claimed to be through baptism? They Calvin was iffy on baptism. He would baptize infants, but Calvin means of grace? Mm-hmm. No, you have to make you. It's got to be God's call, and just dumping water doesn't guarantee anything. So he was, he would not consider baptism a means of grace. Now some Calvinists will come that close to claiming it that way because they want to, but to be true to their system, they've got to realize election is God's business, and I don't know. And Calvin creates all kinds of problems for himself, more than you can realize. And we'll talk about this, you know, obviously, as we go through our systematic sequence, because we always pick on Calvinists. And, and by the way, the term for Calvinist is also reformed. So when you hear people talking about reformed theology, what they're after is Calvinism, the reformed theology. Today you'll find Reformed theology in a few Presbyterians, the good old traditional ones. Dutch Reformed up in Michigan, you'll find them up there. And there's a few other places they'll show up. But Like I said, they are a vanishing breed. There aren't very many real Calvinists around. Because you see, the problem with Calvinism is the doubt. How do you know? See, an Arminian, ultimately, he's stuck with doubt, too. How do I know I really made the right choice? How do I know I really meant it? I don't know. Was I sincere? So you got to really believe. you got to sincerely believe. Well, that's a problem. I don't like being, having to be sincere. Cause I, am, I have mixed motives all the time in just about everything. Sincerity is a problem. And so that's where Arminian runs into problem. Calvin runs in trouble because how do I know I'm, I'm really one of the elect? And Calvin says, look at the good works you do. Well, yeah, fine. I did good works, but I also sinned like crazy. Now what? And it's the experience. I've even talked to people who grew up Calvinist or spent time in Calvinism, and they'll say, man, this is so true. You live in doubt all the time. You just never know where you stand. See, a Calvinist pastor cannot look at a congregation and say, I forgive you your sins. He has to say, if you're in the elect, your sins are forgiven. If you're not, sorry. And so everybody sitting out there says, wonder which one I'm in. You just don't know.
1: In a Calvinistic way, couldn't you get to the point where you, you believe this, and then if you believe this, basically it's not up to you no matter what. Well, it's not anyway, but still you could just go on with your life and leave the church and everything else? because it's Theoretically,
0: correct. if I'm one of the elect, I'm in. If you truly believe it, wouldn't you just walk off? And you could. You but see, then they would counter-argument by saying, well, then you're not really one of the elect, because you're not showing evidence of it. Then you're really Arminian. Right. Okay. <coughs> yeah. Okay? So that's the crux Gorm. Any other questions? What's Crux-Talegorm mm-hmm. in? Crux-Talegorm means the cross mm-hmm. of the theologians. cross okay. of the theologians. Or the crossing point of theology. Yep.
1: I'm just wondering if we will spend more time on the Arminian theory because you know even if you know down the line because that's just oh it's widespread. It's widespread and it's hard to and I've been in the situations how you know to talk people through and say I mean yes you I mean I yes you're deciding but Mm -hmm. I mean like a lot of the defense that you were giving is Mm -hmm. exactly word for word what is said. Oh I know you know and I think when you
0: hear from Lutherans.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I think for us, or for myself, especially, I need to understand that more in depth. It
0: will be talked about more, not in this course and other ones. You'll you'll revisit this, no problem. Now, the other thing to recognize, then, is, so do Lutherans believe in predestination? Yes. The answer is absolutely yes. Because A, has been chosen by God from before eternity. He is the elect. God has called him, and he's in. And the question is made from before eternity. So we believe in predestination. We don't believe in... Double predestination. So God chose A, does that therefore mean he rejected B? No. Even though logically, if he didn't, if he chose A, but B goes to hell, then logically you have to agree with Calvin and say, well, then obviously B was rejected. But you can't let logic run the show here. You say, God tells us he chose A, and B is responsible for his choice. And again, you see, the more you think about this, the more troublesome it becomes. The best thing to do is not think about it too much. Because seriously, (laughs) because you 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 try to unpack this thing and it gets more and more slippery, more and more elusive. But we do believe in predestination. And if push came to shove, and I had to choose between being a Calvinist or a Arminian, you got to go with Calvinism, because he's a lot closer to the truth than Arminius is. But he's he's still wrong. You see, we're talking about this a little bit yesterday. Luther in the bondage of the will comes out sounding almost like a Calvinist because he's stressing so much. There is no free will. God makes the choice. It's all God's work. And the reason Luther is doing that, because Luther knows grace hinges on God doing it all. And he is going to do anything to preserve God's grace. But the downside of that is, well then what about B? But see, Luther never comes out and says, B is chosen for help. And he does talk about God making choices in the things, and we'll talk about that more later. But ultimately, this is the, the heart.